Hello, and welcome back to the Attribution Marketing Podcast, powered by LeadsRx. My name is Lucas Sommer. I am the Director of Marketing for LeadsRx, and on today's episode, we have Rachel Hernandez, the Director of Brand Strategy at NextNet Media. Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Lucas. Thanks for asking. I am super, super excited to be here and talk some nerdy marketing things with you today. Yes, we love the nerdy marketing stuff. So just, we always ask guests, just give us your kind of career arc. Like, how did you even get to this podcast? What led to this point? Break down, you know, your career and, you know, how you got here. And that'll give us some context for the future learnings to come. Yeah, so, um, and I think where I usually end up, what I usually end up speaking to um, when I do talks like this is content marketing because I really got into this industry as a writer and a creative. So I graduated high school in 2003 and uh, wanted to be a writer. And back then, you know, we were sort of starting to use the internet for research, but like we didn't even have a Wi-Fi or internet connection in my dorm when I went to school. And so when I was thinking about writing, I was really thinking of it in terms of like being a journalist or or maybe doing some short stories. And then once things started to really open up in the digital sphere, I realized that there were other avenues into using my creativity and my ability to understand and tell stories. And that's also just been like an incredible evolution to get to witness as somebody who, you know, kind of always had this dream of writing for a living and storytelling and and didn't necessarily think they could achieve it in like 2005. And now look at us now. I mean, there are so many people who make a living doing content creation, whether they are independent creators or they're doing it for large brands or agencies like you and me. Okay, great. Well, thank you for that. I think, you know, the next follow-up question really is, you know, and I can speak to this to, to some degree, but maybe 10 years ago, you would write a blog and then all of a sudden it became maybe you, you're an influencer on Instagram or X, formerly known as Twitter. You know, now you have people out there on YouTube with with really big channels. You know, the the top 10 YouTubers, let's say, are getting the viewership of, you know, what what linear TV used to get. And so my question to you is, you know, where, where is that stuff going? And I, I think just a, a big macro question of, you know, how can brands succeed at it? Because it's a little bit easier to be a content producer if you're, say, a beautiful person or an athlete or you have some sort of competitive advantage. But if you're a mattress company, you know, what is it that you can do? What strategies are there out there on the organic content side that can help you get the most out of that channel? Yeah. And I mean, a lot of my day to day is creating content marketing on on behalf of a, of a brand as a director of marketing. It's definitely sort of easier to conceptualize creating an identity or a character when you are a singular person. But I think what a lot of people forget is that a brand or a company has an identity as well. And so there's still an opportunity to present that character and that authenticity that people can relate to and respond to. 
of course, like it can be a little bit more difficult if you are, you know, a huge enterprise and you have a massive team and maybe you have a big marketing team and a sales team that feels separated. Uh, but at the end of the day, once you establish a brand identity and brand guidelines, and really like a creative concept that you can always come back to that people can associate with you that can have a similar attributes to an individual, then you have that touchstone to create that consistency that makes users and potential consumers feel comfortable and like they're engaging in a real relationship or conversation with you. How does one even go about doing that? You know, I think a lot yeah. of times it sounds very straightforward and, you know, you can personify your brand, let's say, or target an ideal customer profile. You know, there's tons of marketing buzzwords that are out there, but nuts and bolts. What are the, what's the exercise? What, what steps do you take people through? How, how should folks be thinking about this as they tackle it on their own? So I'll, I'll speak to like what we've done at the Hoff, which is the agency that I work for and, and we specialize in SEO. So I know people who are listening to this are probably familiar with SEO, but we are um, B2B, but a lot of our clients are small to medium businesses. We do work with some large enterprises um, and we do work with some resellers, but a lot of the people who come to us for help know that they need SEO. They kind of understand what it is, but they don't necessarily like really get the nuts and bolts of it. So what we did was we took a look at our user base. We tried to understand what their general level of understanding was. And we did that with some research in terms of like the demographics of the people we worked with, even talking directly with our sales team. And then of course, looking to some of our competitors or people who play in the same sandbox as us and how they spoke to their users. And one of the determining things that we came up with was that SEO can be very intimidating. Uh, and that's even without like the advent of AI in the past few years and all the algorithm changes that came with it. There are a lot of words um, that come with this industry, and there are a lot of technical things that people aren't sure what to do, and they don't know how much they should be spending, and they don't know how important it is. So we have two touchstones for our company character, and those are simplicity. So we simplify the SEO process. We simplify the SEO jargon. We make it very, very accessible. That's a big part of everything we do in how we communicate in discounts we give and the resources we share and success. Um, I think people have a tendency to, when they do marketing, whether it's paid media or, or content marketing in terms of organic or branding, uh, they they do like to make themselves the subject or the hero of the story. And one of the things that we try and do in our marketing is really make the consumer, the client, the hero and make their success a big part of all of our messaging. So my goal as the director of marketing at the Hoff is to make sure that every time somebody engages with our content, be it paid media, be it a white paper, be it uh, a, a post on organic social is they walk away feeling like SEO has been made more simple for them and that they're going to be more successful as a result. 
Okay, fair enough. I, I think uh, simplicity usually wins out, especially with things digital. Uh, but Godspeed in getting the owner-operator types to understand and execute <laughs> SEO. It's uh, quite a challenge, but I think you know, taking taking it down to the basic building blocks and giving them something that they can uh, you know comprehend without the jargon is definitely the right way forward. You did touch on one thing that I wanted you to expand on, which is me. You know, maybe how AI is changing SEO specifically. The kind of pundits out there um, talk about how basically AI has turned you know the 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 search the internet search into like a paid API call and what I mean by that is instead of going to the uh, Google box and typing in what you're after you ask ChatGPT or one of the other uh, you know kind of AI tools out there and then they go on the internet and sort of research and bring you back that answer and it's not a list of ten of the top ten results the top ten answers but in fact this is their interpretation of the one answer. Here it is. You don't need to look anymore. So with that as the backdrop, um, how do you think that affects somebody's SEO strategy mm-hmm. uh, considering that person isn't coming to your site anymore? They're not reading your blog posts. They're not digesting your content. You're almost trying to convince the AI that they, they should you know, scrape and learn from your site and then present your site as an answer. So go ahead and break that down. I probably did a somewhat poor job of explaining it, but see <laughs> no, what you can do. I don't think so. I mean, I think, um, and and this might sound, you know, kind of cliched, but I think it's absolutely true, is SEO has never, or at least not recently, been about trying to play the algorithm or or trying to figure out like how to how to work your way around it or um you know like kind of kind of play with it in a way that's not authentic to the user experience and i don't know nobody knows what's going to happen with sge i do know with the past few years regardless of ai um this is what's, not a what's technology. sge oh i'm um, sorry search generative experience so that would be when um somebody types a, a query into the google machine and instead of giving them a list of websites, you're going to have something similar to um, what we see as like featured snippets where the answer is on the page and they don't necessarily need to click and go to your site or go to your blog. Got this it. has been changing for a long time, though. Google right. is getting googlier. When you click put in a search query, depending on the intent, you might get results for Google Maps. You might get images. You'll get some videos. It's not a list of websites, and it hasn't been for a very long time. So my suggestion to people who are trying to figure out how to continue to optimize their sites for the new search experience I have two things. One is topical authority. And this is going to be a big thing coming up these next few years. This is not a new sort of like SEO buzzword, but what it really means is that you want your website to cover all aspects of the topics that are relevant to your industry. So that when Google or whatever AI they are using is trying to pull an answer from your site, 
you have all the bases covered. So you have the big answers, but you also have the little answers and you make sure that each pieces of these topics are covered in ways that are easy for these algorithms to read. So my suggestion is to always do epic content put it on your site and then make sure that you have these subheadings, you have chapters, you have other blog posts or pieces of content on your website that cover the more niche aspects of what you're speaking to so that when Google's algorithms is are pulling pieces of information for them to show up on a query, yours are going to be optimized and your site's going to be seen as an authority on that thing. In terms of like, click through and, you know, like traditional SEO where somebody puts in a query and then they go right to your homepage. I think it's going to be a more omnichannel presence in general, and that you're really going to have to find multiple ways to get people to go to your website. Authority is the main word that I keep going back to. I think traditional SEO um, is, is just not going to be the future. We're going to really be thinking about brand awareness. We're going to be really thinking about all these different channels to get people to go to your website. And one of the ways to do that is to answer all different sorts of questions and all different mediums, whether it's on video or, um, blog posts or, um, or reviews on your site. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's, you know, from, from my own experience, that's kind of the direction everything's going in, which is, you know, you used to really care about your meta descriptions and your H1 structure and all these other various technical aspects of SEO, which I'm sure are still critical, but almost not in the same way. Um, yeah. they, they probably have the same value. They just might be being used in a different way. The AI is determining what's on your page by these values and deciding if they may or may not find the answer there. It's just training your content, for lack of a better word, to answer maybe the traditional Google way of surfacing what that answer might be, as well as making it easy for the AI tools out there to find and surface surface the answer as well. Does that sound about right? Yeah. And I, I mean, when I think about it and the advice that I've generally been given or giving when I talk about this is I, I do think at least to start, it's going to be similar to when we were optimizing for featured snippets, which is again, like having very, very specific headers um, that are direct questions that people would type into the uh, quote unquote Google machine with very succinct to the point answers that would be useful for somebody to see if they just happen to want to know one thing and then go to that page. And because SEO also, it's it's something that grows on itself. It's not necessarily, a, it's not a bad thing to be on a featured snippet or to show up in an AI response on Google. The rest of your pages are going to be optimized as well. And, and some of those are going to be for lower funnel, higher buyer search intents. Your site's just going to be more authoritative for those money keywords as well if you optimize for those top of funnel queries also. Fair enough. So there is obviously the other aspect of SEO, which is everything that happens off of your site. And I think this is the one that can get you in trouble, is the least known about, is the most difficult or hardest to control. So if you would, Rachel, just tell us what the cheat code is. What is the answer <laughs> to getting high quality backlinks to your site 
And does that still matter in the age of AI? Go. Oh my gosh. Backlinks are, I think they're going through their renaissance. Uh, in the age of AI, in the age where anybody can create content very, very, very quickly, and that process is democratized, and Google has admitted that they can't figure out whether or not content was AI generated or not, they kind of said, you know, a, a year ago, oh, no, 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 it's going to be devalued. And then about six months later, they were like, actually, no, as long as the content's good, we don't care if it's AI. It's because they can't figure it out. There's one thing that they can figure out. <laughs> backlinks are not, you can't generate backlinks with AI. And I think that is going to be key in the coming years. And really the key thing that Google is going to use to determine whether or not your site is authoritative. It's the backbone, literally Google algorithm, which originally back rub. Um, so I see a return to form there um, in terms of ranking websites in, in regular Google search queries. That being said, yes, backlinks are really, really, really hard to get unless you have a ton of authority that's been established or brand recognition. And um, I'm not here to shill the Hoff, but that's absolutely one of the reasons why uh, the company I work for has been so successful is because we are the leading backlink agency in the world. And that doesn't come easy. It comes with a lot of connections. We've been in business for almost two decades. Um, and it really comes with creating content that other webmasters know is going to be valuable and relevant. And they know that they can trust that whatever we um, bring to their website is is going to be useful. For somebody who does not necessarily want to work with an SEO agency, though, if your resources are limited, I encourage you to do so. It, it does level the playing field, especially when you work with an agency that knows what they're doing and is not going to build a bunch of like crappy PBN backlinks to their site because they value their reputation and they want to be around for a while. Um, I would say, and uh, you know, I think a lot of the times people look down on some link building tactics because they think anything that's not completely organic is, um, I don't know, cheating in a way. Um, but for me, I think um, link exchanges are actually probably a really great way to get your foot in the door. Um, there have been people who say that um, if let's say a link exchange would be somebody reaches out to you, says, um, will you put a link on your site? You respond back saying, sure. Well, if you put um, my link on your site, um, people say that, that Google doesn't count those. It's not true. The vast majority of links are are shared across different websites. That's, that's just kind of the way how it works. So my thinking is uh, if you want to do some link outreach, reach out to people who are adjacent to your industry. Um, say, hey, I saw you created a post on XYZ. I, I have a resource or I have a product that would be a really great fit for you to add to it. Um, the worst they can say is no. And a lot of the times um, they'll say yes, and and but they'll say, you know what, can you provide a link back to, to my site or or can you promote this post on your social media? Absolutely, yeah. A lot of link building is about networking. That being said, I would say working with an agency is, is if you do not have a ton of resources to do this kind of work, that's the easiest way to level the playing field. Um, but yeah, backlinks are the most 
important element of SEO, in my opinion. I know people like to say otherwise. I think that's because it just makes them sound good. And they're also one of the most difficult aspects if you don't already have the standing connections and resources. So I'm, I'm with you there. So I think, you know, a lot of times, at least when I'm speaking to folks about this, stuff like this, I'm saying, and it, it, I think you're saying the same thing, but just with more detail and technicality, but content is king, right? Has been king, will likely always be king. You know, if you have great stuff, then, uh, you know, users like the stuff. Um, Google can index the stuff. AI can interpret your, your content. And because that content's so awesome, the theory would be that some other, you know, person on the internet would say, this is so great, I'm going to link to it. And over time, you, you build up these high quality links from real organic places that, you know, link to your site. And everybody recognizes that or, or the search engines recognize that, let's say. Um, and it, it just leads to, to more eyeballs, more time on your page. And it's like a self-fulfilling machine. So I think my question to you is, you know, if you had to choose, if you were by yourself, a uh, one person company, do you put your head down and write, you know, everything possible, answer every question about your product, your service, and you end up with a 50 page website with, you know, 50 FAQs and 50 blog posts, or would you go with a 20 page website and like 20 contributed articles trying to do, you know, link exchanges with, with other sites and other people? Which one of those two paths do you think is a better, you know, path to success in the SEO space these days? I think the second one in, in these days, um, and and I, I think because uh, it is very easy to say that like great content is going to yield um, backlinks, and I, I and that's not wrong, but at this point, the it's like the playing field is not level at right now. There are the biggest companies in the world and the brands that you are competing against already have hundreds and thousands of backlinks and robust websites. A website with a lot of content is not necessarily going to get a ton of backlinks without some major recognition or without some outreach, be it PR or, or something similar. You absolutely have to have both to be relevant in the SEO space. I don't care what anybody thinks. Um, so I would say a 50 page website with a ton of resources and content is, you know, great. I'm not going to say that that's not like a worthy thing to go for, but if I was a website, I would build out those 20 pages of content. And then I would start trying to collect backlinks as I was continuing to build more content. And you're not going to get backlinks without content. Like you have to have that foundation. But once you get to a certain point, it's absolutely necessary to to have both and and to really make building backlinks a priority if you are serious about getting your website to rank in SEO. Okay, awesome. So let's go a little bit deeper then. So any new website pops up and and uh, you got your first ten pages and you're you're proud of what you have and now you set out to go get backlinks. So now next question for you as the expert here: Should you go to the first? 10 easily acquired self-serve backlinks from directories and Reddit and a 
Tumblr account or whatever else is out there that you can just sign up for, put an about you page, drop your little link to your site uh, and publish it. And you know that although it was free and easy to do, you do have a backlink. Is it a follow backlink or is it a no follow backlink? I'm not quite sure we can, maybe you can answer that for us, but would you go down that path and get the easy ones like in bulk or would you skip all that effort and go straight to let's say a, a top performing blog in your niche and try to do an article exchange or a link exchange? Which one of those do you think, uh, or both, you know, just answer that however you think uh, you best. Yeah, I think, I think directories are uh, in terms of like backlink value are, I don't want to say useless, that's a little dramatic, but they don't have the, um, they're not the, the hack or they don't have the power that they once had. Um, and that was a very, very quick win way for SEOs to sort of game the system 10, 20 years ago. Uh, and they are simply just not going to be as relevant anymore. Again, like it all goes back um, the buzzword of the day, the year, the decade is authority. So if you're getting a bunch of directory backlinks, that's a, that's qu quantity, um, that's fine, but that's not going to build the type of authority that Google or other search engines are looking for when they are determining whether or not something should rank. So I would go straight to the exchanges. I would go straight to contributing blog articles, establishing yourself as authority, because the right kind of backlinks are going to build like a sense of thought leadership. They're going to show that you have some sort of relevancy or knowledge about the subject or the industry. And those directory backlinks don't accomplish that for you. Okay, awesome. So then, um, let's uh, you know i really i really appreciate this and i think demystifying seo uh is is quite often people's biggest and most effective channel so i think you know we're we're getting a lot of value here and appreciate your your expertise so if it's not directories um and you go to you know submit articles or do a link exchange what are some of the sites or places that you can get your first kind of wins i just think i i see so many folks attempt and people that have sites and niches are getting a solicitation multiple times per day for swapping articles and backlinks and i vast majority are always rejected so it seems like you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place you get the easy free directories which are borderline worthless or you hit your face against the wall trying to get a backlink from somebody in your space where they most often tell you you know to go pound sand so is yeah. there a medium solution where uh, there's either sites that will facilitate these exchanges or places that you can go to, to get your first couple wins under your belt? Because if you're in a super targeted but like very niche space, a couple backlinks can be all you need versus like you want to yeah. sell car insurance, good luck. But, you know, if you're selling dentures or whatever, um, getting getting some seo traffic and backlinks around that space is going to be a lot easier so like what are the first five mm -hmm. wins that you can get on the backlink side yeah i mean um so i'll plug i'll plug a couple agencies real quick and then i'll, I'll go to if you want to do your own manual outreach but obviously the hoff the company i work for uh we've been um helping people with link building since 2010 we've been in this space since 
um, before basically everything changed in SEO and, and we're still here. We're still very, very successful. Uh, Authority Builders is another um, SEO agency that I'd recommend. They were founded by Matt Diggity, uh, who uh, if anybody who's sort of in the SEO space would recognize that name. He's a, a thought leader in the industry and and has always had an emphasis on on real talk with SEO, but also just like straight up quality. And he's very, very trusted among people in our industry. Um, in terms of like doing other sorts of outreach, I recommend um, using an SEO tool like Ahrefs or SEMrush to do a, a backlink gap analysis. So these tools, um, and you can do like a free trial if you don't wanna buy in right away, um, plug in your competitors and see who's linking to them. And there you go. You have a list of people who you know link to sites like yours and who are open to giving links away um, to people in your niche. And that's where your outreach list begins. And again, if you do want to do a link exchange or, you know, um, there are other ways you can say, I will do a write-up um, about somebody in your company on my website if you link back to mine if you if you promote that post. There are a lot of ways where you can make a link um, exchange a win-win situation. Um, so leverage your other marketing mediums. Maybe you do um, you know, a joint blog post. Maybe you do a joint webinar. Maybe you do a write-up of them on your site. So they'll do a write-up of yours on theirs. Um, you know, the worst thing I you want to get is someone um, just reaching out and asking for something for nothing. I'm going to archive that email right away. But as a marketer and a business person, I'm also here to help people uh, succeed like like I have. I think a lot of us are are into that. That's why we do podcasts and shows like these. And so if you offer something of value, um, there is a decent chance that they're going to be open to what you're asking for. Fair point. <clears throat> and uh, are we still subject to the uh, do follow, no follow rules here and no follow is worthless or still a good kind of signal that uh, at least you're trying and, you know, maybe you don't get full credit for that, but um, yeah. go ahead, break that down. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say no follow is worthless. I think that's taking it a little too far, but um, a do follow link is always going to be preferable to a no follow link. Um, and, and generally I would say like a no follow link is a nice signal if you're getting it from like a major news outlet or something similar, if you want to do some content syndication, or if you do a press release, um, those will generally be a mix of no follow or do follow links, mostly no follow. That's still some recognition and brand awareness. That is a signal. But if you're looking at increasing your site's authority and you want to do it quickly or you want to rank for a certain page or search term, you're always going to want to go for that do follow link. Awesome. Well, well said. So, you know, I think it's been a really great update on the landscape and uh, AI uh, as well as its impact on SEO and SEO in general. So very much appreciate that. I wanted to give you an opportunity. You know, is there anything else that you wanted to to cover? You think folks should um, be aware of or, or see coming in the next six to twelve months in in that kind of content marketing landscape? Uh, last topic is it's all yours, so take it away <laughs> um, and and give us a, a little more knowledge here uh, on your topic of choice. 
So, I mean, um, the thing, the other thing beyond AI that I think a lot of people need to keep in mind, um, is going to be the elimination of third-party cookies over the next, uh, I think like six months or so. I think the ETA is um, end of Q3, so like September of 2024. Until they move it again. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, So until they move it again, that's so true. Um, But if you are being smart, you're going to start keeping this in mind right away, especially if you are using third-party cookies. what I'm telling people, um, and and frankly, this is nice for my industry, is first party cookies are not going away. So if you want to do retargeting, um, if you're using paid media to retarget, which we do all the time, if you visit the Hoth's website, um, you're you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna see some paid ads um pop up for our, our various specials and resources. Um take advantage of the first party cookies move away from the third party and draw people to your website, be it with organic SEO or, or something similar. I mean, I would say organic SEO. And I actually think uh, that first party cookie retargeting is more valuable because those leads are truly warm. They've visited your site. You can target them with more bottom, bottom funnel ads, more with more buyer intent because they're further down the funnel. Uh, So I would say start thinking about shifting those resources now. We still want to continue to retarget. I think it's a very valuable tool. I think it's also good for the user if they already are familiar with your services or your product. Um, But start really thinking about how you can bring people to your website so that you can move them down the funnel with those first-party cookies rather than third-party cookies. Awesome. Well said. So... Last but not least, let us uh, know or let folks know how they can find you. Feel free to do a plug for the agency or, or what your next project is, or where folks can find you on the interwebs. Uh, really appreciate <laughs> all the info that you shared with us. And if folks wanted to reach out to you or your agencies, um, go ahead and let us know how to do that. Yeah. So um, I personally am I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, you can follow me there. I'm Rachel A. Hernandez on LinkedIn, or you can search for Rachel Hernandez, the Hoth. Um, you'll see I, I get to do fun podcasts like this. I'm going to be speaking at um, a few digital summits this coming year on some of the stuff we've talked about today. Follow the Hoth on LinkedIn and social media. Um, We have a lot of fun creating our content. Uh, Again, it's, I I mentioned this in the beginning, simplicity, accessibility, some humor. We really try and break down marketing concepts for people. No matter if you consider yourself an expert or a novice, we make it fun. We make it easy to be successful. And you can go to the Hoth website, a ton of resources there. And we are currently offering a deal to users where you get 30% extra deliverables every month you're on contract with our managed SEO Hoth X service. So if you're spending $1,000 a month, you're actually getting $1,300 a month worth of SEO and, and links and optimized content. If you're spending $5,000 a month, you get $6,500 a month on links and content for the entirety of your contract. So those savings really do add up over the course of a year. And this is such a good time for people to really start investing in their marketing. 
I know when times are tough, it's one of the first things that businesses start to cut, but it really needs to be the last for you to stay competitive in environments like this. Well said. Well said. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show. For those of you that are listening, go check out Rachel and the Hoff on LinkedIn. If anyone has any questions on this content or would like to get in touch with Rachel, please just leave a comment below wherever you're listening to this, YouTube or iTunes, et cetera, and we will find a way to get that information to you. This is the Attribution Marketing Podcast, signing off.